You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio.
there's a little button there that says follow. And I ask that you would please push that button and that let us that lets us know that you do follow us and that you are enjoying our broadcast. And to those of you who have been following the broadcast, I want to say thank you. To all of my new followers, I want to say thank you and I appreciate you following me on blogtalkradio.com slash your word from God. Uh, to all who have shown me support, who have left me encouraging words and have spoken encouraging words to me, I want to say thank you so much. And I love you all very, very much. And I appreciate all that you do for me. God bless you. And you can now go to our new website called a word from God dot webs w e b s dot com. We ask that you browse our site and that you follow our links to our other affiliate sites and our other blogs. Also, we now have a page on Facebook, many of you know, called A Word from God. Uh, please click the like button to show us that you do like our page. And you can email me now at a word from God three. That's a word from God number three, or just three at aol dot com. I ask that you check out our ad cost and our advertisement page on our website. Now, if you would like to have your church event or your business announced on the air, or if you're a young artist and you would like to have your CD played on a word from God. Uh, please go to our website for instructions on our advertising costs, or you can email me at a word from God three at aol dot com. Well, we are now on the air four days a week. That is Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings at ten a.m. Central Standard Time, and on Sunday nights at seven thirty Central Standard Time. Now, the Wednesday show, I'm trying to use that show uh, to devote that show to businesses. And I will have business owners on the show uh, who I will interview and I will also showcase for that day, allowing them to come on and talk about their business. Uh, listeners from all over the world will hear about your business. So if you are a business owner and this is something that you would be interested in, I would ask that you please go to our website, a word from God dot webs w e b s dot com. Go to our ads and advertising cost page. All of the pricing information that you will need is found on uh, that particular page. We now have two new blogs. Uh, one is called a word from God one dot blogspot dot com. That's a word from God one dot blogspot dot com. And on this blog on this particular blog, um, this is where God just places certain thoughts and whatever else that he might want me to share uh with you, I put it there uh on that particular blog. Now my second blog is called Partners in Business One. That's partners in business one dot blogspot dot com. Partners in business one dot blogspot dot com. And on this blog, on this particular blog, I share business ideas, business tips, and things of this nature of this nature about going into business for yourself. Now, if you're interested in going in, into business for yourself, I do ask that you check out one of my archive messages, which is called how to start a business. 
And on that particular show, it's about uh, an hour long, on that particular message, I actually get into scripture and show you how to build a business uh, on God's holy principles. So check out those two blogs. The first one is a word from God one dot blogspot.com. The second one is partners in business one dot blogspot.com. I now have two CDs out. Uh, one is called Secrets. Uh, the Secret CD, it's a two-disc set. It sells for $15. Secrets is to help bring the healing to the wounded heart that has hidden secrets that you have buried deep within, but many of you are afraid to let go of or to tell anybody about. So this particular teaching is it gives uh, it's a strong emotional healing for those of you that are tired of carrying those secrets. You can let those go. You can give them to God, and God will come in and He will minister. This is a great CD. I know that once you hear it, you're going to want to share it with your other friends. So I'm asking you to uh, write me at um, a word from God three at aol dot com and and uh, send me fifteen dollars and we'll go ahead and send that um, send that uh, CD that CD set out to you. Also, the other one that I have is called I Give Myself Away, and it sells for $10. In this message, the question I ask is, is this just a song we sing, or is this just something that you say, or do you truly give yourself away like Christ Jesus gave himself away? Very good message, um, something I'm sure that you'll, want to uh, hear as well. There's a great anointed teaching on that, and it just talks about us giving ourselves to Christ, being everything for God that we say we are not just in uh, lip service, but in action as well. And still in progress is the series called The Ends of Times. I'll be teaching on the rapture, the Bema Seat Judgment, the marriage of the Lamb, the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist, and much more that is taught in that is taught in the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, uh the book of First Thessalonians, Matthew, and also in the book of First Corinthians. Uh as many of you know I am in business for myself. So I do ask that you please visit Lady Be Lovely Fashions website. At Lady Be Lovely we carry women's church suits, uh, uh men's church suits as well, uh business suits, usher and choir uniforms jewelry, hats, cologne, and various other merchandise, all at affordable pricing. When I say affordable pricing, I mean just that. I know that the times are hard right now, but you still want to look good. You still want to look great. There's a diva inside of everybody, and I want to bring that diva out of you and just let you know that you can go out there and you can be all that you can be, and you can dress the way you've always wanted to dress. And you can do it all at affordable pricing. So I ask that you go to my two websites. One is ladybelovelyfashions.net. That's ladybelovelyfashions.net. The second one is ladybelovelyfashions.webs.com. That one is ladybelovelyfashions.webs.com. And also on my blog, talkradio.com slash the word from God page, 
I ask that you will check out all of our affiliate links. We have some great affiliates on on uh, on our, our our show page here on Blog Talk Radio. And I'm going to ask that you'll go and check out after after the message is over tonight that you'll check out all of my affiliate links. And there is one called Blood Pressure Awareness. And on this one, uh, you can learn a lot about high blood pressure, uh, sugar diabetes, all kinds of things that we suffer in in life. Uh, it talks about uh, um, eating right, how to change your eating lifestyle, how to change your eating habits, how to cut down on sugar and salt and fat. Uh, it talks about exercising because, you know, if changing your eating lifestyle can actually add years to your life. So I'm asking you to visit all of our links on blogtalkradio.com slash a word from God. Now, our lines are now open. Please feel free to call us at 1-818-475-9229. Again, that number is 1-818-475-9229. And what this, uh, the series that I've been doing it is called the seven motivational gifts found in Romans chapter 12 verses 6 through 8 and this particular teaching i call it the discovering you series because in 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 these uh seven particular gifts you're going to see that you have one to three of these gifts as main gifts one is going to be more prevalent than others but you're going to see yourself and know why do you do the things that you do? Uh, you'll understand why you do them. And also maybe your spouse and your children. Maybe you'll even understand your children a little bit more because you'll understand what gift God gave them at birth, why they do certain things. Uh, I, As I uh, talked last week, I had uh, my daughters came on the show last week, and I was talking about my one daughter who gave away all the oranges. And uh, at that time, I didn't know anything about the motivational gifts. But she has a heart of giving. And she also uh, is a server. She likes doing things for people. And so now that I know that, once I knew that I was able to train her in that area to where she could use her gifts in the right way, and not where it would cause people to try to uh, run over her or take advantage of her because she was a giver or because she is is a uh, one that uh, likes to work in the ministry or the serving area. So once you learn your gift, once you learn your children's gift, once you learn your spouse's gift, uh, your parents, your mother, your father, your aunt, whoever, your friends, you will begin to understand each other so much better. And you'll understand why they do. A husband, maybe maybe he's a perceiver and the wife is a giver. And we'll be talking about givers tonight. Well, you'll understand, he'll be able to understand why she wants to give all of the time. Because that's a part of her nature. It's not because she's an easy mark, but it's because that's a part of her nature. She may be wondering, why is my husband always so grouchier or grumpier? You know, he, he, he you know, he sees things in people and every time he sees something he says that he says something about it and he's really right. That might be because he's a perceiver and he, he actually can see the intent 
of a person's heart and kind of know uh, the type of people that he's dealing with, and he's trying not to uh, allow you to get caught up with the wrong kinds of people. So if you know the gift of everyone in your household, your household can run a lot smoother. So tonight we're going to be getting into the seven motivational gifts, the Discovering You series. And this is part three. Uh, part one and part two, if you have not heard them, are in the archives or uh, my on-demand button. And you can just go back tonight after the broadcast is over and you can listen to all three of uh, these messages. So before we get started, we're going to go into our uh, a song for this evening. Listen. <laughs> I'm glad to see all of you all, but you know who I'm looking for? Uh, I'm looking for the special guest to show up. And one way we can do that is we can invite him in. And then when he comes, you know what I want to tell him to dwell? Stay here. Stay around. Stay around a minute. I don't know about you, but when I get into the presence of God, I don't want to go nowhere. Hallelujah. So when he comes, I say, Lord, please, just dwell. Just stay. Just stay right here. Stay. Because in the presence of God, come on, in his presence, there's the fullness of joy. And at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. Dwell among us, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We welcome your presence. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We give you free course. Have your way in this place tonight. Let your Shekinah glory, let the glory clap. Fill this place tonight. For thou art the Lord of all our praise.
Hang in there. Don't let go. Don't turn loose of God's hand. But just hang in there and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I know that you dwell within me, and, God, I'm just going to go into that secret place with you, and I'm going to dwell with you, and I'm going to wait, and I know I'm going to serve you. I'm going to work. I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. And I know in the right time, in due season, I know uh, uh, it's just going to come. It's going to take place. It's going to come to pass, and I'm just going to trust you. Dwell with God. Just dwell with him, and God is going to do it for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm just going to kind of refresh your hearts and minds a little bit because on last week uh, uh, we did our Mother's Day special. But I'm just going to kind of refresh your minds about uh, what we previously talked about uh, the first two sessions of uh, this particular class. And uh, we talked about uh, the there are three different types of gifts given by the Holy Trinity. Uh, one given by the Holy Spirit are the gifts of the Spirit or the charismatic gifts, which are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through verse 10. Uh, and these gifts uh, are broken down into three different categories, uh, three gifts in each category because there are nine gifts of the Spirit. And the first group of gifts are the power gifts. These are the gifts that do something. And they are faith, uh, the gift of faith, the gift the gift of healings, and the working of miracles. And these are the power gifts. Then there are the utterance gifts. These are the gifts that say something. The gift of prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And then we have the revelation gifts, or the gifts that reveal something. These are the words word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And if you'll go back to uh, my archives to um, uh, the uh, Motivational Gift, the Discovering You series, Part 1, I explain in depth of what these particular gifts do, and uh, uh, you'll really get some better insight into uh, these particular gifts. And then these gifts are, as I said earlier, are gifts, uh, that are given by the Holy Spirit to show the power of God. And then you have the fivefold ministry gifts. These gifts are given by Jesus Christ himself to us, and these, these gifts help to equip and to train the body of Christ. And these gifts are apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Now, these gifts are found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And these particular gifts that God gives, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, these are the ones that train us. These are, are in our local church. The other gifts are for our own, uh, that God uses for us to uh, be able to evangelize even better than what we do. But these gifts are to train us to become strong in the Lord, to know the word of God, uh, to be empowered, um, to be able to win souls, to, to just um, know everything that we need to know as a body to bring others to Christ. And then we have the third set of uh, gifts, which are the seven motivational gifts. 
And these are the gifts which are given to us at birth. Uh, these are our natural gifts. And I'm not talking about singing and cooking and certain talents that you have, but these are the gifts that make you who you are when you were a child, uh, when you were a teenager, or if you're a teenager in or if you're a young adult or if you're uh, a senior citizen. These are the gifts that make you who you are naturally. And these are the gifts that are given to us by God himself. And these basically are given to us at birth. These are the gifts that we're studying right now. And these gifts are found in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. And these gifts are uh, prophecy, or perceiver, uh, anyone that has the prophecy or perceiver gift, these are the people that discern the inner heart or thoughts of people. These people represent the eyes of the body. They are like seers. They can see things that some of us who don't have that gift cannot see. Then there's the teaching gift. They keep the revelation of the truth of God's word keeping us on track in the Word of God. They're the ones that do all, as I said the week before last, they're the ones that do a lot of research. They're the ones that always ask questions, and they keep you on your toes. They keep you uh, steadily studying because they're going to ask questions and they're going to expect an answer from the Word of God. So these people are the mind of the body. And then we have the serving gift. These are the people that normally work in the ministries of helps. They love to uh, do all the background stuff, the unseen stuff. They don't like to be out in front. They just want to sit there and just work, work, work. Sometimes you have to send them home because they work so hard. But they are the people that uh, do the ministry, you know, like your ushers, uh, your your uh, prayer warriors, uh, your um uh, people that work in the nursery, uh, people that uh, maybe teach Sunday school, uh, that kind of thing. They're just they're background people, and that's where they like to be. These people, they maybe work in the uh, food ministry at your church or the clothing where you give away food and clothing, and these people are the hands of the body. And so as people join your church and as people uh, come in, you need to know where to place People. You don't want to place a uh, perceiver in the area of serving because they don't work well in the area of serving. And then tonight we're going to talk about exhortation and giving. Now, exhortation, uh, these are the people, they stimulate faith and they edify the body of Christ. These people are normally known as your encouragers those who like to uh, to encourage, to edify, to build up. Uh, these people are known as the mouth of the body. And then you have the gift of giving or the givers. These are people that supernaturally have the ability to make money for financing the kingdom of God. These people are the arms and the legs of the body because they're the supporters. They believe in supporting the church financially. And so we are going to get into uh, our teaching here tonight, 
with exhortation and giving. On next week, we will finish out our series on the Discovering You series, and next week we will talk about the administrators, organizers, and the mercy, compassionate people. So that will be on next week. So tonight we're going to be teaching on the motivational gift of exhortation and the motivational gift of giving. Exhortation um, is the Greek the, the Greek word for exhortation is paraguay. Uh, I may be pronouncing that wrong, but it's P-A-R-A-G-U-A-Y. And this means a calling to one's aid for encouragement and comfort. An exhorter is a positive person having the ability to stimulate people towards abundant living. They build up the body of Christ. Uh, They're usually popular and well-loved because they love so much. To them, truth is truth, whether it comes from the Bible or from experience. It may be said that this is the gift of, of encouragement to personal progress. This is a strong life-related gift. There are lots and lots of people that I don't care what you say, what you do, or what they may even be going through. You never, ever really see them down because they're always, first of all, encouraging themselves in the Lord, as the Scripture says. And then they like to go out and they like to encourage others. When they see somebody low, when they see somebody down, when they see somebody and they look like they're stressed out, they're ones to go up to you and encourage you. Hey, brother, sister, how you doing? Praise God, hallelujah. And they'll start sharing the word, brother. How, how you been doing? And you might say something. Well, brother, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you say you're under the weather, but get out from up under there and get on top, brother, and, and, and just get out there and praise the Lord. Brother, you know, I just want you to know, brother, I love you. I, mean, I want to encourage you. And he's going to give you seven steps to this and 12 steps to that and going to give you all kinds of scriptures. And He's going to stand there with you and share the scripture with you right then and there. And if you don't leave encouraged, it's not because it's not their fault. It's because you just were not listening. Now, the characteristics of an individual with the motivational gift of exhortation is this. There is a tendency to avoid, number one, there is a tendency to avoid systems of information which resist practical application. Let me read that again. Number one, there is a tendency to avoid systems of information which resist practical application. Information is only valid if it is useful. No matter how interesting the information, unless it can be applied to one's life in a practical manner, it is just words. So to them, if if uh, if if what's being said or what they read or or no matter how interesting it might be, if the information if it does not um, if it cannot be applied to someone's life in a practical manner to um, to the exhorter, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. It has to be something that they can use that can be applied uh, to someone's life in a practical manner. Number two, there is a desire to visualize 
specific achievements to and prescribe precise steps of action. Number two, there is a desire to visualize specific achievements and and prescribe, I'm sorry, and prescribe precise steps of action. The exhorter believes that if you understand the truth, you will be eager to apply that truth to your life. He is very zealous in giving steps of approach to appropriate actions. They are step givers. Even out in the world, your encouragers will be your people who do like your AA meetings, your Overeaters Anonymous, uh, your rape crisis centers, your domestic violence centers. These are people, they're going to try to build you up. They're going to try to encourage you to get you out of that shell that someone has put you in and to bring you back up to where you need to be through steps. And this is what an exhorter does. They do all that they do through steps. Number three, the ability to see how tribulation can achieve new levels. I'm sorry. The ability to see how tribulation can achieve new levels of maturity. Number three, the ability to see how tribulation can achieve new levels of maturity. Tribulation is not the enemy we have imagined it to be. The exhorter knows that tribulation will cause a person to look outside himself for for solutions and uh, approaches. Um, the exhorter doesn't look at tribulations like most people do. They just look at it as a way to overcome. You know, they, that's what they do. They are there to assist you, to help you, to bring you out of whatever it is that you're in. They're letting you know, brother, don't let anything get you down. Nothing's too hard for God. I mean, they're constantly quoting scripture. So the exhorter knows that tribulation will cause a person to look outside of himself for solutions. They're telling you, don't look uh, to the left or the right. Don't look for your job to be everything you need. Look to God. God is your source. Yes, uh, you, you have a job, and maybe you're being laid off, or maybe they've cut your hours, or maybe they've cut your uh, uh, pay or whatever, and you're worried about that. Well, your job is not your source. God is your true source, and this is what the encourager will try to get you to understand. Uh, Number four, a dependence on visual acceptance when speaking to individuals or group. Number four, a dependence on visual acceptance when speaking to individuals or groups. The exhorter has a need to see that his message is being received. Without this visual confirmation of reception, the exhorter loses confidence. He, When he sees your face, if you're not all lit up and joyful like he is, then he feels like he has not or she has not done their job properly, and they will continue on dealing with you until they actually see a change in your life. Number five, 
the discovery of insights from human experience which can be validated and applied in Scripture. Uh, Number five, the discovery of insights from human experience which can be validated and applied in Scripture. He finds out how does this relate to the word rather than how does the word relate to this. Uh, An exhorter, he is very big on finding human experiences that find an and that find an exact match in scripture he will use both human experience and he will also uh, use um scriptorial uh things to show to try to encourage you in whatever it is that um uh is going on uh it says he offers this biblical counterpart as a step of action to apply to be applied to the lives of others. He offers this biblical biblical counterpart as a step or steps of actions to apply to the lives or to be applied to the lives of others. He will find scripture, he will use testimony, he will use or she will use whatever you may need to get you out of what you're in and get you motivated, get you moving, get you started back on that right road to victory that you need to be walking in. Number six, an enjoyment with those eager to follow steps of action. This enjoyment arises for two reasons. Let me read that again. The enjoyment, number six, an enjoyment with those eager to follow the steps of action. This enjoyment arises for two reasons. The person is validating the exhorter's message by acting on it, and the person is bettering his life and getting closer to God by following the steps outlined by the exhorter. Let me read those again. Uh, The first, the person is validating the exhorter's message by acting on it. And number two, the person is bettering his life and getting closer to God by following the steps outlined by the exhorter. What what is happening here is um, the person is validating what the exhorter has said. When, When the exhorter sees what he has told someone, and he sees that person using those steps of actions, it makes him feel that he has really done something, that he's helping to improve the life of a brother or a sister. And then number two is bettering his life and getting closer to God. When the exhorter sees someone's life changing before his eyes because of something that he said or something that he outlined to them in Scripture, it makes the exhorter feel like that his work has been truly appreciated and that he's really, really hearing from God. And he continues on. He'll check up on that person just to see how they're doing. And if they need more encouragement, he or she will go ahead and they will um, go ahead and continue on encouraging that person until they see true victory. Uh, Now, an exhorter also has a grief 
when teaching is not accompanied by practical steps. Now, what we were just talking about, and an, uh, an exhorter can feel grieved when he doesn't see a person applying uh, those steps or following the steps that are outlined by the exhorter or not seeing that person getting closer and closer to God, but seeing that person falling further and further away. Um, an exhorter can begin to feel very grieved behind that. He will not stop exhorting others, but it will. He, he'll stop for a minute and wonder, you know, okay, was I hearing from God? Uh, you know, did I say something? Is there more that I can do? Is there more that I can say? Exhorters don't ever really give up, but they can feel grieved in their spirit for a while. Uh, number seven, a delight. Uh, a a uh, an exhorter has a delight in personal conference, in personal conferences that result in new insight and spiritual growth. An exhorter delights in personal conferences that result in new insights and spiritual growth. An exhorter loves to counsel, especially when he sees the counselee responding to counsel and growing in his spiritual walk. Next, we're going to talk about the misunderstandings of the individual with the motivational gift of exhortation. Uh, number one, the emphasis on steps of action may appear to oversimplify the problem, meaning the steps of action will often ignore many of the fine details of the problem but these details will be corrected in the application of the steps of action. Much the same as the shabby look of the yard will be fixed once you run the lawnmower over every square foot of it. An exhorter needs to know that everything that they say to you, that, that you follow that to um, to the T, to what he or she has said to you. They want to know that when they've talked to you that everything is being corrected, everything is being changed in your life, that when you walk away that you have done uh that you have done everything that they said to do and they feel confident in themselves. But sometimes it may look to others like he's patting himself on the back or she's patting herself on the back. Number two, the urgency in getting steps of actions may appear as having overconfidence in the steps because they do use a lot of steps. Um, sometimes it may look like that's all that they're thinking about are steps and they're not uh, just giving you uh, simple, simplified, simplified things that you can maybe understand. Sometimes it's step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, and they tell you to follow that like a formula, just like a recipe, like baking a cake or something like that. The steps being offered have a firm foundation in Scripture and have been seen to produce the desired results in the lives of others who have applied them. 
Now, because you are using steps, others who are not exhorters, they don't quite understand that. And so they just think that, wow, you know, you're not giving them simple things to look at. You're not just telling them to fall on their knees and pray. You're not just telling them, you know, trust God. You're not just telling them, you know, to look to Jesus. You're not just telling them, uh, you know, to fast. But you're giving them steps. And others who don't who don't move in that particular gift, they don't understand. And they can come along and tell you something different, and it can actually confuse the person that the uh, exhorter has been dealing with. So um, in some situations, I know sometimes if I know that someone is an exhorter and someone comes to me about something, I'm a mercy person, and I can sympathize with you. But in most cases, sometimes you don't need sympathy. Sometimes you you need someone that's going to say, look, this is how you get out of this situation. And if you follow this, you know, God's going to see you through it. So sometimes maybe you don't maybe use steps and maybe you know somebody that is an exhorter and you need to send them to that person so maybe that person can lead them in a way that you can't lead them so that they can grow stronger in Christ. Uh, Number three, the desire to win non-Christians through living examples may appear as a lack of interest in personal evangelism. The exhorter is very interested in evangelism, but believes that people need to see someone doing what needs to be done. The exhorter is a living example of how to come to and 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 live in Christ. Let me read that again. The exhorter is very interested in evangelism, but believes that people need to see something need to see someone doing what needs to be done. The exhorter is a living example of how to come to and live in Christ. Words can fall short and become hollow. A visual expression has more power to impact. Sometimes they just believe that living the life before others will help people to be able to live that same life in Christ. Instead of telling them how to do it, the exhorter shows them how to do it. Uh, Number four, the use of scripture for personal application may appear to disregard the feeling of those being counseled. Let me read that again. Number four, the use of scripture for personal application may appear to disregard the feelings of those being counseled. The exhorter knows that the feelings of others is important, especially to the individual with the problem. But feelings are temporal and may be the source of the problem. The word of God abides forever, and this is the source of the solution. Now, the the exhorter does uh, live by example, but he also or she also believes in Scripture. They don't always believe in moving so much by your feelings because your feelings are temporal. But they believe um, that um, if you teach by example, show them how to do it, 
show them how to live, show them how to walk, and show them in the word because they know that the word is uh, the source of all solutions to all of our problems. Number five, the the emphasis on steps of action may appear to disregard the feelings. Oh, I'm sorry. I think I just read that one. No, 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 I'm sorry. Number five, the emphasis on steps of actions may appear to disregard the feelings of those being counseled. While the problem is being shared, the exhorter is uh, instantaneously coming up with the solution. While the problem is being shared, the exhorter is instantaneously coming up with the solution. The exhorter does not have to hear all of the details and prefers not to. The person with the problem may view this as being cold. Because they are exhorters, they know exactly what scriptures, and because they are people who love to be in the word as well. They use the word as a, a um, they use the word as uh, their point to lead people to the area that they're trying to get them to, uh, whether it's in faith, uh, whether it's in salvation, whether it's living victoriously, uh, how to come out of sin, uh, how to uh, walk holy. They don't need to hear your whole story because they pretty much, uh, when they counsel, they pretty much have already heard uh, the same story just through different people. So they don't even have half the time need to hear the whole thing. They can just say, you know what, stop right there, brother. I've I've got a scripture or sister, uh, this is what I hear the Lord saying or so on and so forth. Uh, Exhorters also make excellent counselors because that's what they do. They try to encourage you, to get you out of the area that you are into. So it's not that they're being cold People can take that, uh, they can misunderstand that as being cold. But it's not that they're cold. It's just that they want to get, they don't want to dwell on the problem. They want to get you to the solution. Okay, next we have seven examples of Bible exhortations which demonstrate the strong life-related emphasis of the exhorter. Seven examples of biblical exhortations which demonstrate the strong life-related emphasis of the exhorter. Exhorters should teach you, number one, how to live. That's found in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1. Next, they should teach you how to please God. That, too, is found in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1. Number three, they should teach you how to live a life worthy of God. That's 1 Thessalonians 2 and 11. They teach how to progress in love, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 10. They teach how to gain the respect of others. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11, and 12. They should teach how to face trials, Acts 14, 22. And number seven, how to understand God's 
chastening. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. And these are some of the areas that uh, exhorters, when teaching, these are some of the things that they should teach you to help you to go through whatever it is that you're going through and to also help you to get out of whatever it is that you are going through. And now I'm going to share some childhood characteristics of individuals with the motivational gift of uh, exhortation. Now, if you have children, and you may see some of these gifts in uh, that I've shared so far, you may see some of these gifts in your children. Now, this is um, some of what you might see in your children who are gifted uh, with exhortation. These children all are positive and well-liked children. They love large gatherings. They like to act. They're extremely jovial and they're teasers in a good way. Also looking for ways to make tasks easier. They adjust to new situations easily, and they're slow to understand new concepts. So these are some characteristics that you might see in your children who are growing up or who are even now as children who are exhorters. So you need to look at your children, uh, listen to these messages, and see uh, which of your children might be an exhorter. Uh, which of your children might be a perceiver, which of your children might be a mercy person or might be a giver or might be a teacher, which of your children have these characteristics. And if you see these characteristics in your children, then you need to take them and train them in the proper way so that they will use these gifts uh, in the right way, that they'll use them in the godly way that they won't be uh so um that they won't use them in the wrong ways uh like if they're out in the world they can be an exhorter but they can exhort people you know encourage people to do the wrong thing as well as an uh, an exhorter in the church can exhort someone into doing the right thing now they can exhort you know someone to go to school or or go to college or or go um you know, to get married or, or, you know, go after this job. But they can all also, because they're so well-liked, uh, depending on their motives and their lifestyle, they can encourage them and get them involved in something else that you don't want your children involved in. So you need to uh, get with your children and look at their lives and train them in the right way. Ask God, Lord, help me to train this child of uh this this young exhorter, this young mercy person, this young perceiver, this young uh, giver, help me to train them in the right way that they will use the gift that you've given them uh, for your glory. Amen. Hallelujah. And now our next gift that we're going to be sharing on tonight is uh, the motivational gift of giving. Um. Giving is the Greek word meta, meta, meta di, 
didomai, metadidomai. And this means to give uh, a share of. This gift is very important because it keeps the gospel flowing. Now, many people are offended if you talk to them about giving, but not the giver. The giver is excited about giving and wants to involve others in the excitement. These people have a great talent for making money. They greatly bless the kingdom of God. This gift of giving is not just financial. It also entails um, uh, the giving of your time, your talent, and even your possessions. Now, the characteristics of a motivational gift of giving. Uh, They have an ability to make wise purchases and investments. God tells us in his word, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. That's in Deuteronomy 8.18. The scripture says, It is he that giveth us power to get wealth. Now, those of us that are givers, uh, God uses us in a way that he doesn't use the person that's that's not a giver. Everybody gives. When you go to church, you know, you, you, you may not be a giver, but, you know, you know that you're supposed to pay your tithes. You know, that's a part of of being a child of God. You do that because you just do it out of obedience. But a giver does more than just give their tithes. They're always giving. Whenever they see an opportunity to give, they give. As I shared with you earlier, I have one child that uh, um, is is a giver. I, I believe both of my daughters are givers, but um, I have one that she just, you know, she gave away all the oranges. She just wanted to give. It wasn't that she was trying to be liked or being loved by all the kids in the neighborhood. She just wanted to give, so she gave. And that's a part of giving. Uh, some people don't understand how some people just give away everything. They give away their clothes. They might wear them once or twice or three times, and they give it away. Uh, They'll give away their shoes. Uh, Some people, they've driven a car for years, and they just give it away. Uh, Some people have given away their home. Some people have uh, taken jewelry off of their neck and given it to someone because they compliment, because they have a giver's heart. Uh, That is my uh, one of my motivational gifts is that, of a giver, so I can really talk on this one because a part this is a part of who I am. So we're talking about the characteristics of the motivational gift of giving. Number one, uh, a giver has a desire to give quietly to effective ministries or pro- to to effective ministries or projects. The giver is not interested in having his giving publicized. A concern that his gift may be of high quality. Um, the gift always to God's the gift is always to God's glory. 
and it must be of the highest quality. Nothing with spot or blemish is acceptable to God or to the giving motive. When a person who has a giving heart, when they give something, they give their best. They don't just give anything, but they give their best. Um, there are times I know in my own life when the Spirit of God has spoken to me about certain things. And um, I'm not going to say that I just arbitrarily just, oh, yeah, okay, here, Lord, I'm going to do it. But um, but the Spirit of the Lord speaks to my heart a lot of times about giving, when the Lord speaks to my heart about me doing something special for someone, I do it. And I try not to make any qualms about it. I try not to, you know, Lord, is that you? I just obey and I do what I need to do. But I, I always try to give the very best of what the Lord is asking me to give. Uh, number two, a desire to feel a part of the work of the person to whom he gives. Although he may not be involved in the actual labor of the project, the giver likes to feel that he or she is just as much a part of the work as anything else. Uh, Misunderstandings of the motives of the giver. Number one, the need to deal with large sums of money may appear to be a focus on temporal values. This misquoted verse is it says money is the root of all evil is often at the source of this thinking. Money is a very very powerful force on this planet and God has elected chosen vessels to wield this type of power. God knows who he can and who he cannot trust with money. Those who are givers and in, 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 in especially if they have large sums of money. If you look at some of your um, big-time people who uh, have lots and lots of money, we'll use uh, Oprah Winfrey, for example. She's always giving. We may not like everything that she says. We may not like some of her terminology about certain things in life, but she's a giver. And she gives away everything, trips and cars and houses. She takes her whole crew, her whole, uh, everybody on her job, you know, takes everybody, the family, everybody to to uh, Hawaii on vacation. She takes, um, um, uh, she did that special where she, uh, the Legends Ball, where she brought in all the women, the African-American women who were legends, you know, and introduced them to the up-and-coming young African-American women who will one day be legends. And if, if a woman who uh, uh, we don't quite know if she is a, a lover of Christ or not, I, I hope and believe that she is, but if she's not, if she can do that, why cannot we who are givers give of what God has given to us? You know, I know that we're going through hard times right now. We're going through all kinds of financial uh, uh, devastations in our lives right now, job losses, job cuts, all kinds of things, pay cuts and all that kind of thing. But if God asks us to give, he's asking us to give for a reason because he trusts us. 
And God, when God knows that He can ask you for an amount, and you give like the like the woman who gave the two pennies, that was everything she had. Now those who give and say, "Oh, look at how much I gave," when you actually gave, and you tell everybody how much you gave. You're not a part of this particular group because you did it out of uh, selfishness or out of your own heart, out of getting some type of recognition. But a real giver gives his last. He'll 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 empty out his pockets. He'll give everything he has. If God says give away your car, they'll give away their car. If God says uh, give away your clothes. You know, they'll they'll empty out their closet and they'll give it away. That's the heart of a true, true, true giver. Um, number two, the desire to increase the effective the effectiveness of the ministry by his gift may appear as an attempt to control the work or the person. Deuteronomy twenty six fourteen says, "I have not eaten thereof in my morning." Neither have I taken away aught thereof for any unclean use, nor given aught thereof for the dead. But I have hearkened to the voice of the Lord my God, and have and have done according to all that thou hast commanded me. Whatever the Spirit of the Lord says to a giver, he or she is to do down to the very dime. A giver will ask the Lord, uh, even beforehand, Lord, how much am I to give? Uh, Even during times of revival or special conferences or whatever, they will say, Lord, what am I to do? What am I to give? When special pleas are asked for, the givers are your top uh, first people that will stand and give. They don't give so much out of being seen but they give because they have a supernatural ability uh, to give. Number three, the giver wants to know that his giving is to a viable work. This can appear controlling and manipulative. His interest is in advancing the gospel, not in personal rep- uh, not in personal recognition. A giver does not a real giver does not give for any personal recognition. I remember several years ago and uh we were we were in the Air Force and we were stationed at a uh in a, at a base called Chinute Air Force Base in Rantoul, Illinois. It's about 50 miles outside of Champaign Urbana area there in Illinois. And we went to church in Illinois, uh, in the Champaign-Urbana area, and we were only in in that city for like three or four months because uh, my husband at the time was going to uh, school. He was cross training and going taking classes there at Rantoul, and so um, we were about to leave. We were getting ready to go to our next duty station, and. Um, our uh our church was doing some uh renovation they were doing some renovation on the church you know some painting some bringing in some new carpet bringing in some new pews and this and that and um this was like our third or fourth sunday left 
for us to um uh before we moved to our next duty station. And our pastor was up and he was admonishing us to give. Uh they wanted to do some some work on the um well actually they wanted to put in a new carpet. So uh he began to ask people for uh donations so that we could put the carpet in. So um my husband's time he looked at me and I looked at him, we both felt well actually I looked at him and he looked at me and I I uh, nodded to him. Actually I had the usher to send him a note and the note was for him to write a thousand dollar check uh for the new carpet. They needed thirty five hundred dollars for the new carpet in the church. And I wrote him a note, and he wrote the check, and he leaned over, and he gave it to the pastor. And he told the pastor, you know, not to let anyone know that it was us, you know, just that, um, you know, that we gave, that someone gave $1,000 towards the carpet. But anyway, make a long story short, um, he, the pastor got up, and he announced that we gave it. And which we didn't want because true givers don't want it announced that that you gave it. We're just wanting to do it for the glory and the kingdom of God. And anyway, make a long story short, uh, it 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 let loose a spirit of giving. Our obedience set forth a spirit of giving at that time. They needed twenty five hundred more dollars, and in less than ten minutes. Two other families gave $1,000 apiece, and another family gave $500 apiece. And in 15 minutes, they had every dime that they needed for that uh, for the new carpet. So when a, when, a, uh, when a true giver gives, they do not like uh, for others to know. They don't do it for recognition. They do it for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Uh, number two, an attempt to use his giving to motivate others to give. This is what I was just talking about. That's the snowball effect. Once people see that someone is giving, they may be motivated to give as well. After we did that, then others decided, hey, I want to give. Um, it becomes a snowball effect because a spirit of giving has been loosed over the church. So for those of you that are pastors out there and you need some fundraising done in your church, you need to ask God to send in some givers who supernaturally obey. They obey God. We obey God. And God says to give. And we give. And in our giving, it sets forth an atmosphere of more giving to come forth uh, within the body of Christ. It is like, uh, like I just mentioned, it is a snowball effect. Uh, number three, an alertness to use his giving to motivate others to give. He sees when people are ready and are willing to give. He will give at the proper time as a means of stimulating others. It's just like a knowing. It's it's like a knowing when when the pastor of that church asked the congregation. It was just like the spirit of the Lord just spoke, and I knew you know we had to give at that moment. At that time, we did not know what God had planned, but we knew that we had to give at that moment and at that time. And when we did, it caused others to follow along in the example, and they gave as well. Number four, a joy when his gift is an answer to specific prayer. 
The giver likes to know what he has heard from God and has been obedient in meeting a specific need. This spiritual quality in giving, in giving is highly sought after by the giver. Number five, an enjoyment in meeting needs without the pressure of appeals. Uh, the giver is likely to be put off by pleas for many. The giver is motivated by the Holy Ghost, not by appeals. Begging is generally met with cold indifference. Now, that is true. Uh, in my case, I'm not one that is so much motivated by please, you know, by someone begging, or oh, we need a hundred more dollars, or we need fifty more dollars, or you know, this is the fifty dollar line, or the twenty five dollar line, or the one thousand dollar line. That is a turn off <clears throat> to me and to other. Uh, givers, because a giver is going to be motivated by God. You don't know when God is going to speak to the heart of a giver. A heart of a giver, when people are up begging and that kind of thing for money, uh, the giver may have said, I'm going to write a $1,000 check, or I'm going to write a $2,500, or I'm going to write a $10,000 check. But sometimes that turns them off and they don't do anything at all um a, a giver can tell if it's holy ghost inspired or if it's just something that someone else is trying to get them to do they do um be, uh begging usually does turn off someone that has a heart to give a dependency on partner's counsel to confirm the amount of the gift. As I had said earlier, um, when I when I felt the impression to give that $1,000, I had to look, of course, to my husband at that time. Um, it, 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 it can, you know, a giver, because they give, it can cause problems in the home. So you look, especially if you're the wife and, and you look at the husband, uh, if your husband is a God-called man or your wife is a God-called woman, um, you are going to have no problems in uh, giving at all. I mean, you, you're both going to be uh, in, in total agreement. But sometimes there might be where one spouse does not want the other one to give, and so you just have to pray. You've got to seek God on how, you know, ask God to handle that situation for you. Uh, the dependency on partners counsel to confirm the amount of the gift. Because of the emotional and physical aspects of money, the giver is very dependent on spousal confirmation as to the amount to be given. The giver does not seek confirmation on whether on whether or not to give only the amount of the gift. So you want to be sure that you you're going to give regardless because you are a giver. You're not going to you're not seeking them on whether uh they want you to give or not because you're going to obey God no matter, you know, what you do. But you do have to uh uh look to your spouse for the amount. 
because you want to make sure that it does not hurt or harm your family or that you're both uh, in agreement to the amount that should be given uh, for this specific uh, thing that you want to do. It is nothing more than a reassurance for the giver. You just want to be reassured because I don't believe that God is going to ask you to give anything and it's going to cause a problem in in your home life. So you just look to look to your spouse, send a note to him if you're not sitting next to him or whatever, and say, you know, I feel the Lord is telling me to give $50. Are you in agreement? Or I feel like the Lord is saying give $500. Are you in agreement with that? And you go ahead, and once the, you get the agreement, then you go ahead and write that check or whatever you're going to do for how much you're going to do. Number two. The lack of response to the pressure appeals may also appear as a lack of generosity. Remember, the giver is not motivated by appeals. He is motivated or she is motivated by the Holy Ghost. Others who are more emotionally involved in giving may view this as a lack of generosity on the part of the motivational gift of giving. Others who are more emotionally involved in giving may view this as a lack of generosity on part of the motivational gift of giving. Some people will look at at a giver and say, you know, well, you know, why don't you want to give? But certain things will turn a giver off. They are motivated by the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit only. God gives them supernatural abilities on how to make money. And so they how they make the money, they just don't want to frivolously give it away, but they want to give it away up under the unction up up under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Um number 3, personal frugality by which he lives may appear to friends and relatives as selfishness in not meeting their wants. You must first give yourself. The scripture says, let a man work so he can give to others, Ephesians 4 and 28. Personal frugality by which he lives may appear to friends and relatives as selfishness in not meeting their wants. Sometimes because others know that you um, have money or or you do have a spirit of giving, they look at you as not uh, being, that you're selfish and not wanting to help them out. Uh, sometimes that's just a personal thing. You know, some people will help, some people will not help. That's a personal uh, matter between family members and that kind of thing. But people who are givers, they do want to give, and they want to give to others, but they want to be led to give. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord maybe wake them in the in the night or speak to them through the day and say, you know, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or your mother or your father or your sister or your brother, someone needs help. Uh, because people who are givers, uh, people will come to them thinking, you know, that they're suckers or that they're uh, 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 naive or, you know, they might be meek, you know, and I can just give them a soft story 
and they will just give me some money. You have to be very, very, givers have to be very, very careful because people will come to them and they will try to um, uh, take from them in deceptive ways and deceptive manners. So you have to really be on your toes as a giver and to know, you know, I want to use God's money in the right way. They will give to certain uh, uh, charities. They will give to certain uh, needs there in the church if someone's taking up a benevolent offering. Or if the Lord speaks and says, you see that brother over there in in the white shirt and the brown pants, go and give him $100. Givers will do that, you know, uh, but people just walking up to them you know, trying to make them feel bad or shaming them into giving money or or uh, walking up to them. You know what the Bible said, we are you're supposed to help your fellow man out, and that is true. But if you're using the scripture in order to do something deceptive against someone, that's a whole total different story because a giver is moved only by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now, here are some biblical examples uh, of a giver. Luke chapter 3 and verse 11, they share food and they share clothing. Acts 2, 44 and 47, uh, they share material things. Acts 4, 34 through 35, they share of their finances. Romans 1 and 11, they share spiritual spirituality. Ephesians 4, 28, uh, again, they share their finances. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2 and 8 uh, says, gave him himself, his time, his love, and his physical abilities also the sharing of the gospel. Uh, it's not just money that a um, uh, a giver will give, but they will also give of their time. They will also give of their love. Uh, they will give of their physical abilities. They might help you move or they might help you, uh, they might give you a ride uh, to where you need to go. Um they might come and sit with you in the hospital. Uh, they might uh, take you shopping. You know, you need a ride to go pick up groceries, or, or, or they might give you a ride to the bus station, or give you a ride. Uh, it's it, it, several things that a giver might do because it's more than just money that a giver gives, but he gives of his time, his love, and his physical abilities, and. A giver also loves sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Um, biblical, let's see here. Biblical examples of the motivational gift of giving. Um, Abraham. Genesis 24 and 1 says, Abraham was very blessed by God. Genesis 14, 23 says, uh, it shows Abraham refusing a help from man so no man could say that he had made Abraham rich. 
um, those of us who are givers, a lot of times we want to be able to, uh, if if we're like in business for ourselves or whatever, we like to know that what we've done, we've done through uh, the grace and the blessings of God. Because when we make it to the top, we don't want any man to be able to say, it was because of me, you know, she borrowed uh, $20,000 from me or he borrowed $15,000 from me to get my business. It had not have been for me, they would not be in business. We like to be able to give all the glory and all the honor to God, uh, those of us who are in business, to say, you know what, uh, me and God built this uh, business from the ground up. If it were not for God's help, if it were not for God's love, if it were not for God's blessing, I don't know where I would be. I would not be in this business today um see genesis 22 and 10 because god asked him to abraham was willing to give his only son we all know the story about isaac uh hebrew 7 22 abraham was a tither and a friend of god then genesis 18 and 1 abraham shared his food with the eternal logos and three men. And so giving is very, very important. Uh, it can be, like I said, more than just money, but it can be of our time, our talent. It can be of all of our, our physical ability. Um, it is very important that when givers give, that they're led by the unction of the Holy Spirit. Givers do try to make wise investments. Givers do try to uh, be careful where they put their money. They want to put it in something viable because they want to be a blessing to, uh, and especially if they're giving to a church. Um, Those who are givers in the world, they may not give it to a church, but they give it to some type of charity, charitable organization, organization. there are some who may not even love God at all, but they give 10% of their earnings to somebody so that they, uh, uh, well, first of all, they place that money somewhere. Um, I don't know if many of them are doing it because they want a blessing from God and they know that tithing works, but they do give their money to viable uh, um, projects and and viable businesses and and viable charities. They don't just put their money anywhere. They put it somewhere where it's going to be of good use. Some people who maybe die of cancer and they have uh, lots of money and they don't have a family, they will leave that money to the Cancer Foundation so that that money can go to help find a cure for cancer. But those of you that are givers in the body of Christ. Allow the Spirit of God to use you in such a way that when you give, that you will give it to, uh, put it in good ground where you know that your seed is going to grow, that it's going to be a help, that it's going to be a blessing to others. Uh, At our church today, we did uh uh we had special giving 
at our church because we're building our family life center where during the summer we're going to have uh, several hundreds of children to come. Uh, as our bishop spoke this morning, that these children, when they're out of school, that they have uh, uh, in school they have the reduced or free lunches, but when uh, they're at home, when school is out, they don't have that, and so they don't have anything to eat. And so they're able to come to our church, and our church goes throughout the neighborhood feeding these children. Now, that's good ground. I have no problem when the Spirit of the Lord tells me to uh, pay my tithes or tells me to give a certain amount uh, to the ministry because of the work that's being done there. And we're feeding uh, several hundreds of children this summer so that they can have uh, nourishing meals during lunchtime. You know, maybe they get a little cereal for breakfast at home, but we can give them a strong lunch throughout the day that will help them to keep up their strength. Uh, During the uh, Thanksgiving time, we feed them. Uh, We fed over 7,000 people last year at our church because uh, we're sowing into good ground. So make sure that when you're sowing, you're sowing into good ground, that the money is going to exactly what it says it's going to. There are a lot of good churches out there that need your help financially, and they're praying and they're asking God to send them givers, people that know how to give, people that can fund certain things from them, people that aren't looking for anything in return because God is going to bless them in return because if you give, God is going to turn around and give it back to you. So God is looking for people that will give, honest givers, people who when the Spirit of the Lord speaks and says, give $1,000, they're they're jumping to their feet while they're writing the check and they're taking the check down there and they're just dropping it. Nobody knows how much they've given because nobody said I need all of those that are giving $1,000 to stand in line, you know. Some people don't want anybody to know what they're giving. They're just being obedient to God. And God in return will bless them for their obedience, for blessing, for you blessing them, uh, for what, for them blessing you for what you might need. And so if, um, if you're, you're a pastor or you have some type of religious organization that you're trying to do something to uplift uh, the people of God or to help out in your community, uh, whatever it might be, begin to seek God and ask God for the givers. Lord, we need givers in our church. We need givers, Father God, in this organization that will be a blessing. Not people that are coming in looking to take over because they give the biggest amount, but humble people, people who will just give and um, and that's what they're there for. They're there to give. They're there to help build up uh, your ministry, help to build up your organization uh, financially. Also, you know, maybe you have a lot of people in your church who are just, you know, they always seem to be down. They don't seem to be happy. You need to seek God, ask God, Lord, I, I need some people in my church who are exhorters, people that can uh 
help to uplift others, people that can help build them up, give them a word of encouragement to edify them. Uh, Lord, I need people in my church who are servers. Lord, we need people. We we can't just keep using the same three people all the time. We're burning them out. There are people out there that are looking for you, that 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 want to come to your church and and be in the ministry of helps, who want to be a giver in your church, who wants to be an exhorter, who who's a perceiver. You need that one that can see, that can uh, see the intents of the hearts of people to know who's for you and who's who's against you, that you don't put the wrong people at the head table, that you're putting uh, wolves at your table instead of sheep, that you got goats and wolves surrounding you instead of sheep, because goats and wolves are always going to try to get up to where the, uh, the, the, the head of the ministry is, and they're trying to get up there. The, the goats will butt against you. The wolves will wear uh, sheep clothing until they get you right where they want you, and then they'll destroy you so that they can take your place. But if you have sheep in your church, people that really love the Lord, people that care for God, care for you, truly love you, truly love the ministry, truly love God, those are the people that you want in your ministries to help uplift and build and help you to build the kingdom of God. And so begin to... Um, uh, if you're pastors or you have an organization, a religious organization of some sort, or if you're an evangelist and you have a traveling ministry, ask God to show you the right people, where to put them at. Find out what their gifts are. Uh, you can go online and you can you can find uh, out, uh, just type in motivational gift test or whatever and uh, have people to take this test or Go to the religious bookstore. You can find books on it and have people to take the test so that you'll know exactly who to put where so that your church will run smoothly and it will be everything that God will have it to be. Well, next week we are going to end out this particular teaching. I hope that you've enjoyed tonight's teaching. Um, Next week we're going to be finishing out on the last two of the motivational gifts, which is going to be um, administration or organization and mercy, compassion. Uh, you need people in your church who are compassion people. Uh, you need people in your church who are organizers, who are administrative type people. And I'm not so much talking, you know, like secretarial working, you know, that kind of thing, but uh, uh as we go get into the teaching next week, you will further understand more. I pray that you have enjoyed uh, tonight's teaching. What we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and we're going to have uh, another song. And uh, after this song, we will come back and uh, just share a little bit more with you. And then uh, we will be done for this evening. So enjoy the song. There is a prophetic word from the Lord. It's your time. It's your season. And not only will you receive increase, but everything you lost during your valley experience, the Lord is going to restore. 
He's going to restore it 100-fold. Yeah, you were tried in the fire, but you're coming out as gold. God said, I'm restoring the year. You've sown in tears. Lend me your ear. Lend me your ears. Thus saith the Lord. Know that my word, it will not return void. Your time I've sustained, time I've sustained. There's no need to God said, I'm restoring the year. Restoration has come. I like this part. God said, I am the author, the writer of time. And no matter how long, things are going to work out just fine. Deposit this word. No need to fear. The Lord said, Sacrifice. Years of sowing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on, everybody. Lift up your hands. And receive this word from the Lord. Oh, your broken spirit. Your broken heart. Receive this word from the Lord.
And if they say yes, I just I don't know, you know, I just want to give it, then allow them to do so because it is opening up their heart to learn how to be givers the right way. Hallelujah. Well, we just thank and praise God on this evening. I pray that you did enjoy tonight's um, message. Uh, As I said, you can go into the archives or our on-demand button, and you can hear our other three uh, sessions that we did, uh, the Seven Motivational Gifts, the Discovering You series. I hope that after this uh, message is the series is done, that you will uh, discover really who you are and you will begin to move in uh, your areas and your gifted areas, uh, get into your into your ministry and get into the right areas. Some of you may be on the praise and worship team, but you don't want to be there because you don't like uh, being out front. And but you want to um, you want to work in the nursery or. You might want to be an usher or you might want to work uh, in the um, food pantry or whatever it is. You know, regroup yourself. Go talk to your pastor. Talk to your leaders there in your ministry and say, I want to move from this area into this area. Because you have to be happy. You have to be in the right place doing the right thing uh, in the kingdom. And so um, make sure you pray about it and make sure that you're in the right areas where you're going to be uh, most useful in your ministry. Um, I just thank and praise God for each and every one of you tonight. I pray that if you've gotten something out of this uh, series so far, that you will write me at a word from God 3 at AOL. Dot com And just let me know uh, if you're enjoying the series. Uh, you can leave me a message on my Facebook page. Um, also, you can leave me a message on my blog page. Um, that is a word from God one uh, dot blogspot dot com. Of course, our Facebook page is a word from God. And we just thank and praise God for you, for all of you that have uh, tuned in and who have listened um, it has been such an honor and such a privilege to be able to come to your homes or or on your um, iPods or your iPads or however you're hearing, uh, if it's through serious radio, however you're hearing this um, radio show. Uh, for those of you that I, I write on Twitter about it all the time, uh, if you've heard it, you know, um, Grandiva777, uh, write me on Twitter and let me know something. Um, I just thank God for each and every one of you for just um, uh, tuning in and listening. I pray that God's greatest blessings will always be upon each and every one of you. Uh, I thank you so, so much for your encouraging words and for your support. For those of you that are following me here on the radio show I want to say thank you. So tonight I want to say thank you for tuning in to A Word from God on blogtalkradio.com. I am your radio host, Evangelist Rebecca Collier-Hagler, saying thank you for joining us. May God richly bless all of your endeavors for him, and I will see you next week, and good night. You've heard us sing a lot about 
being a friend of God. Just one more song. Would you lift a hand and just say, Lord, you've been a friend. I can testify about it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you
feel the pain. 